When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Uh, yeah, the past few days, um, they've been working me in more. Uh, Coach K.O. has been working me in more, um, getting back implemented, um, getting back in the offense, getting in a groove with things, so it's been good. So the thumb, I mean, is it darn near 100% at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been working at it. You know, I'm still working at it every day, um, but, you know, that's the plan for sure. How did it feel today um, when you were catching? Was today your first day catching? Uh, no, no, I've been out here a couple of days. It feels good. Um, just getting back in a group of things. I've been uh, out a few weeks now. So, you know, just getting back in a football conditioning. There he is, Irv Smith Jr., just showing everyone that the thumb is attached. He oh, has like his that. shoulder pads on. It was a little mangled. There was a bone still sticking out of it. I don't know if that's going to matter. But, uh Uh, This is Mackie and Judd. Reckless Speculation Thursday. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday to all who celebrate. And that means we bring our friend in from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, the Scoop Podcast, Darren Doogie Wolfson, with inside information about Minnesota sports teams. Uh, Doogie, great job pressing Irv Smith Jr. on his status. What did did you learn? Let's start. We'll talk some Vikings here. Uh, any, Any sense of how likely it is that he'll actually play in that first game against the Packers? Yeah, so 10 days out. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy first day of September. Happy Gophers opening day. Most importantly, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Mm -hmm. It looks like he'll play in 10 days, but Phil, he was not ready to volunteer that he'll 100% be ready to go. Kevin Seifer pressed him later in that conversation yesterday. So I initiated the conversation, a couple questions. A CARE 11 photog threw in a question. Then Kevin eventually said, okay, well, are you good to go September 11th? He was not quite ready to say that. He went with the cliche, one day at a time, hopeful, but wasn't ready to declare, hey, I'll be in there against the Packers. But it was clear, having watched a good 45 minutes of practice yesterday until they booted us out, that he did ramp up his activity. That's why I chased him down as he came off the practice field. Just from my eyes, I was like, okay, it looks like he's doing more just in terms of blocking. I know last week, you know, he was limited. He ramped up activity last week before the Denver game, but... Just from what I saw yesterday, it just it looked to me like he was doing more and more. So that's why I wanted to interview him. But if I had to guess, I mean, you know, the Vikings' initial timeline was, yeah, he should be ready to go by week one. The fact that he's doing more and more in practice 10 days out, my hunch is he'll be able to do something on September 11th. So, Dukes, um, seven of the 11 players that Rick Spielman drafted in his last draft class, 2021, have now been cut. Some of them, a couple brought back on practice squad. So, but... The reality is um, the, the Darisaw pick looks good, but the depth of that draft looks like a complete bust. What is the feeling that you get, and and what do you think that the message is when when you basically take a one-year-old draft class and decimate it as much as Quazy and Kevin O'Connell did? Well, and, you know, like, they didn't even want some of these guys back for the practice squad. Like, Wyatt Davis is now on the Giants practice squad. The Vikings didn't even want him on the practice squad. Kellen Mond claimed by the Browns. The Eagles, by the way, also tried to claim Kellen Mond. But the Vikings were not interested in adding Kellen Mond to the practice squad. That's amazing. Cam Bynum, pretty good. Patrick Jones, pretty good. Christian Mm -hmm. Derrissaw, very good. But I was just texting with somebody on Amir Smith-Marset because that waving of of Smith-Marset surprised me yesterday. The person instantly texted back and said, new regime. All about the new regime. Now, we'll find out later today. If Smith-Marset gets claimed, this person told me 4 Eastern, 3 Central, although some of the waiver claims 
came in earlier than that yesterday. But nonetheless, we'll find out later today. There is a belief that somebody will claim him. If not, the Vikings do have some interest in adding him back to the practice squad. But yes, they decimated. Quasi and company decimated Rick Spielman's 2021 draft class. That might be why Rick hasn't gotten back to me. I've been trying to track down Rick for a TV piece I'm working on. I just yeah. I need a soundbite or two from him on something I'm working on for, for the Vikings-Eagles game on Channel 5, that game is. So we're doing a pregame show, a postgame show. So I'm working on something, potentially working on something. So I just need Rick for a few minutes. But he must think, you know what, Doogie's going to hammer me on my 2021 draft class. What the heck has happened? So maybe that's why Rick hasn't gotten back to me. But, yeah. It's all about Quasey and company loving their 2022 picks. Jalen Naylor making the 53-man roster. I think that was a surprise, Judd. I think a lot of people thought, okay, go ahead, pick up a receiver. Like, BC goes down. BC doesn't make the 53-man with a knee injury. Okay, go pick up a receiver. That means that Jalen Naylor will be released. But, no, Jalen Naylor makes the team. By the way, on Jalen Naylor, in the concussion protocol. I don't know if that's been reported. I did put it on social media, but I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. But he's in the concussion protocol right now. But I think that surprised people that Naylor stayed, Smith-Marcent went. Uh, just to put the Mon thing to bed here, you know, it is it is fascinating how quickly that thing came to an end. And I'm not saying the way that Mike Zimmer handled it was correct because I don't think you need to get up at a podium after the Packers game and just fillet your young rookie quarterback you know, there was just really no need for it. There was no strategic value in it. He just was he was just mad and he and he and he buried his young backup quarterback. So I don't like the way he handled it. But ultimately Mike Zimmer was right about Kellen Mond. And a new regime comes in, a new coaching staff comes in and they see the same things. They they didn't like him at practice. I mean, Judd Judd was accused of being a bully in his coverage about Kellen Mond throughout training camp. It's like, no, Judd was right too. He was so unimpressive. To this new regime all off season, like like you said, they didn't even try to bring him back to the practice squad, uh, let alone keep him on the roster as a backup or a third string quarterback. And so, um, I guess what have you sort of heard? He, it's it can't just be hey he was slow to pick up the offense. I mean, what have you heard about some of the other things they didn't like about Mond? Because for that thing to come to an end as quickly and abruptly as it did means, boy, they did not like what they saw behind the scenes or on film from him. So pre-draft, Mond last year worked with Hugh Jackson, one of Mike Zimmer's close friends. In fact, at one point, Mike and Hugh had a conversation about Hugh joining Zim's staff here. So they've had enough conversations about Mond. Hugh is still a big Kellen Mond guy. But Zim said, hey, Hugh, it's just not there. Then we transition into the new regime, new year. Judd was always spot on. I mean, anybody who was out there, right, all those open training camp practices, it was yeah. clear as day Then just watch the preseason games. It's just not there. Now, I'm not ready, Phil, to declare the final chapter being written, that he is a bust. Now, it may end up, you know, like Josh Rosen, right? Like Josh Rosen, former first-round pick at this point. I think we can label him a bust. I'm not ready to call Kellen Mond that. It may eventually get to that point. But, you know, the Browns get him. The Eagles also put a claim in on him. So a couple teams had interest in him, right, adding him to their 53-man. So I'm just saying, like, let's wait and see. But, yeah, when it's two different coaching staffs saying, okay, this guy can't play, pretty darn damning for a top 70 pick. Are you hearing buzz about the about who with uh, with uh, Mon now gone to Cleveland and Mannion choosing the Seahawks practice squad Dukes who they might bring in because there's a small available list of guys, including if I'm not mistaken, and this is not going to impress folks, but he was here briefly during the rookie truck. Uh, slash veteran tryout process. Brett Hunley was actually here, then signed with Baltimore, and he's now out there who they might bring in as their sort of emergency practice squad quarterback. That was the first name that hit me, Judd. I have a text out awaiting word back if he will be the guy. They will bring in somebody for the practice squad, not the 53-man. But unfortunately, outside of telling you that they did make Sean Mannion an offer, they were hopeful that Mannion would choose them, not Seattle. I don't have an update on who they are going to sign, but make no mistake, they will add another body. It was weird yesterday. I missed you there, Judd, but it was weird yesterday watching practice with only two quarterbacks. So 
They will add a third in the very near future. Why would they even make Sean Mannion an offer for the practice squad? You know what why? is the point? Well, because you know, he's Kirk's he can't guy. he can't play. You know well, why. he's Kirk's guy. They need another body. They feel like there's value in having him in the quarterback room. Sure, we realize on the field the man can't really play, but they feel like there's some value behind the scenes. They really do, and so. The close relationship he has with Kirk. Well, I'm sure Geno Geno Smith is about to be a close. Pro Bowler in Seattle. Drew Watch Locke. out, guys! Watch, look out, Drew Locke. Watch out! I, I heard, I heard recklessly speculating. I heard behind the scenes that Kirk was politicking for Mannion to make the 53. What? <laughs> that Kirk wanted that the initial steam was Kirk. That that they were they they got intelligence uh, a young player that they were actually going to waive in order to keep. Mannion on the 53 would be claimed, and that's why they tried this move. But that there was initial uh, thought process of three quarterbacks, Mannion as the third guy because of Kirk. I trust that information. I'm just telling you. I mean, I know I know how close Kirk and Sean are. I have not necessarily heard that, but that fits our, our theme of today, reckless speculation. I don't even know if it's that reckless, Judd. Just knowing how close Kirk is with Sean – you know, Kirk had to know, hey, if he hits the open market, there's no guarantee that he signs with us. I mean, I think we knew there was a guarantee he wasn't going to get claimed. But, like, Kirk had to think, okay, if he hits the open market, in all likelihood he is going to hit the open market, he may not choose us. Like, there was intel before yesterday that the Seahawks had some interest in adding him to their practice squad. If you're Sean, you have connections to the Pacific Northwest from your days at Oregon State. You look at the Seahawks quarterback room. You may look at it and say, you know what? Like, I have a better chance of being elevated to the 53-man here in Seattle than I do in Minnesota. That will help my wallet. I am going to Seattle. Dude, I mean, I've never seen a bigger gap between someone's complete inability to play the position that they're supposed to play in the NFL and whatever perceived value they still have anyways. I mean... Sean Mannion is going to wind up being a Hall of Fame head coach someday if he is so brilliant behind the scenes that it makes up for his total ineptitude as an actual player. This dude's been in the NFL for almost a decade, and he has had some chances in games, and his teams have zero chance to win the games that he comes in and plays in. In the preseason, too. Like yeah, he, can't he has even, carved out he one can't heck eat, of a career. Dude, yeah. he can't even carve third-string defenses in the preseason. And he still gets jobs in the NFL. It's like, and I'm bravo to this front office and coaching staff for standing up to Kirk Cousins and saying, listen, I know you guys are friends. I know that he helps you break down film or whatever. He can't play. He's not going to take up a spot on the 53. Maybe we'll give him a spot on the practice squad. He turns that down. Yeah, they wanted to. It's just like, be done with it, for God's sake. Think about the career he's carved out, though. I mean, somebody could Google the exact amount of money he's earned. Think about the pension he currently has with all that service time. Journeyman, man. pretty remarkable. Now, I will add, I was talking with K.J. Osborne after practice yesterday. He said that Sean, compared to all the other quarterbacks he's played with, throws the hardest ball. That He's like a mini rocket man. I've never noticed that watching Mannion. I mean, he's got a quick release, but I've never noticed, like, the ball traveling at a faster speed, a tougher ball to catch than some of the other quarterbacks. So I thought that was fascinating that Osborne pointed that out. By the way, he has made uh, $6.2 million playing playing football. So, God bless him for that. Absolutely. Good for, Good not, for him. It's not yeah, a bad Jealousy living. and envy on my part. It's not a bad living. Uh, anyhow, what uh, what else are you let's, – let's get into the Jalen Rager thing here for a second. I, I kind of love this, and you know, it's, it's a great buy-low opportunity. What I told Judd and Declan on Purple Daily Doogie was – you know, Quasey, Quasey has been very open about the way he views roster building, which is every everything is a calculated gamble. It's all you're looking at basically a stock portfolio of of players and decisions. And in general, you know, from thirty thousand feet, guys who were first and second round talents, especially not that long ago, because Jalen Rager's twenty three years old still. He's not that old. You know, he Quasey's looking to place bets by low on guys that were, and Ross Blacklock was a 40th overall pick, that, hey, maybe they haven't done anything yet, but if we can if we can maximize what their potential is and buy low for seventh-round draft picks and trades, um, these are stocks that might rise. So I, I kind of like the buy, the buy low options that they've uh, 
that they've brought in the last couple days. What are you what are you seeing and hearing? I have no problem with that trade. I do have a problem if he is your number one punt returner based on his body of work in Philadelphia. Now he has returned punts, but if you watch the video, it's not real encouraging, but he has done it. I imagine he's coming in here as the number one punt returner in practice yesterday. It was KJ Osborne and Patrick Peterson returning punts. So I imagine that Jalen Rager comes in as the number one punt returner. I just don't know if I would trust him as the number one punt returner, but why not, right? I mean, the speed was evident coming out of TCU. The talent was there. It's not like the Eagles were the only team that had a first-round grade on him. So, sure. And, like, along what you were talking about, Phil, you know, just how Quasi, you know, constructs a roster and all that, they did also try to trade for Denzel Mims of the Jets. Now, it wasn't going to be Mims – and Rager. It was one or the other. So they made the Jets, I'm told, the same offer they made Philadelphia for Rager. The Jets same draft, no. right? Same draft. Yeah, yeah, same offer. So it was either going to be Mims or Rager. My understanding is they also spoke with the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Giants about some receiver. So they were looking to trade for a receiver. It wasn't just Rager or Bust. But the idea of Jalen Rager rolling the dice, taking a chance, Heck, why not? I had a great conversation with Ross Blacklock about Rager. They were teammates at TCU. You know, Ross is going to be biased, but he's convinced the change of scenery, not only for him, but for Jalen, will do a lot of good. That he still feels like there's a lot of good there with Jalen Rager. So, Dukes, um, Watts is gone now. Uh, I think that if you go back to cutdown day, he was easily, in my opinion, on cutdown day, the biggest surprise because we all thought he was going to start uh blacklock is in what are you hearing or what's your sense about how this is going to play out because if blacklock is going to come in and start and that's the plan i'm a little bit concerned about that uh if blacklock is part of a greater plan which might end with sue and i have heard that there at least have been some recent discussions or dialogue between the vikings and the sue camp that makes a ton of sense, but I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea of a Blacklock um, um, rehabilitation project here without a backup plan that at least gives you more security than, in my opinion, you have right now at that defensive end position. You alluded to it on Twitter, Judd. I alluded to it on the latest Scoop podcast, episode 397, Ooh, that posted on Wednesday, that there's more coming. Now, when you alluded to it, that was before the Rager trade. I think that was before the Blacklock trade, but that there was more coming. Maybe it was after the Blacklock trade, pre-Rager trade. And when I recorded my podcast, it was pre-Rager trade. But I wasn't necessarily pointing to that. So, yes, I do wonder about Endemic and Sue. Like you, Judd, I've heard of recent dialogue. Now, my sense is it's more Sue's agent initiating that dialogue. That Sue's agent says, whoa. The Vikings just waived Armand Watts? Okay. Like, more than ever, my client makes all the sense in the world to land in Minnesota. So there has been recent dialogue, but I just don't know if the Vikings are willing at this point to pay Sue what he's looking for. So Sue needs to come off that 8 or $9 million ledge. If he wants to take less, yeah, I'm inclined to think the Vikings are willing to bring him in. I have a hard time believing the Vikings are paying him 8 or $9 million. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to. Uh, unless you have any other Vikings things, I want. I'd like to change the the topic. Thread. Sure, any other quick, quick Vikings? Ones. Yeah, Joe Hag, Brainerd, Minnesota native, offensive lineman, North Dakota State. The previous Vikings regime had some interest in him in the past, so the Steelers let him go yesterday. I was curious. Would the Vikings have interest? The answer is no. He is visiting the Las Vegas Raiders today. As somebody suggested to me, if the Vikings had interest in Joe Hag, it probably would have been a one for one trade. Right, Hag to Minnesota, Jesse Davis to Pittsburgh. But nonetheless, I wanted to check on the Minnesota native, but no on Vikings interest in Joe Hag. I've been asked about O.J. Howard, the free agent tight end. Mm-hmm. Could he potentially land here? I was told he is going to land elsewhere. I didn't hear anything else. I didn't hear if the Vikings have made an inquiry, anything like that. I was just told O.J. Howard expected to land elsewhere. Also, I was asked a bunch, Phil, about Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Would the Vikings put in a claim? The answer is no. I'm not overly surprised because if you go back to the 2020 pre-draft, 
the Vikings were not interested in Tyler Johnson. It wasn't just Rick Spielman. It was some other guys below Rick. Some of those guys are still in place right now. And I get it, body of work changes. But, like, the Vikings weren't fans of Tyler pre-draft in 2020. So I'm not surprised they didn't put a waiver claim in now. They would not have gotten him anyway, right? Houston above the Vikings pecking order-wise on the waiver wire. I'm happy for Tyler landing with Eric Murray and Blake Cashman in Houston. He should have a chance to play with the Texans. Yeah. Uh, Dukes, five years ago on the old radio version on 1500 ESPN of this show, and uh, and you came on, it was a Thursday or whatever day we used to do the, the radio scoop sessions, and you brought Jerry Kill as a guest with us, and we wound up just a little inside baseball here. Um, generally on the radio, you have between like 12 and 20 minute segments, and then you have to take, you have, you have a certain amount of commercials you have to run in a given hour or in a given four hour show. And I remember Declan was filling in that day for, uh, for Dave Harrigan, I believe. And we, Jerry Kill got on a roll, just ripping Mark Coyle and saying, I'm never going to step foot on that campus ever again. You know, he just like, you put, we asked him like four questions over the course of 45 minutes and he just torched everyone. And we're, we're like moving commercials into the, like later in the day, just stay live, stay live, stay live. Um, and we did, we grabbed one of the clips of him saying he'll never step foot on the campus. And, and we put that out on score North social media earlier this week. Uh, so we know, we know how Jerry feels about the way PJ sort of teed up. Hey, I'm going to change the culture. He took the job. He's going to change the culture. And that rubbed Jerry the wrong way. Um, Jerry went on with, with Randy Shaver a few days ago and said, I'm not sure if I'm going to shake his hand after the game, you know, classic. And of course, Jerry at his press conference, New Mexico State, I don't want to make it about me. It's not about me. It's like, well, you did just come out and say that you might not shake P.J. Fleck's hand, so it's very much about you. Um, you've had, you've kept the relationship with him. I mean, I'm not going to say you guys are best friends, but what are your thoughts on this game tonight? I'm more intrigued by the handshake after the game than the actual game itself, but you know, sort of digesting everything the last five years, what are your thoughts going into this game? Yeah, I mean, certainly the game intrigues me. The Gophers should win by a lot. They are favored by 36. Yes, I do have nightmares about Bowling Green last year, but I don't think that is occurring again, especially after New Mexico State played late on Saturday. They lose to Nevada, then have to travel on Wednesday for a Thursday night game here. I am curious to see who starts at right tackle for the Gophers. My understanding is Quinn Carroll, the transfer from Notre Dame, he died in high school, should play some, but they may rotate. So there are things on the field. That certainly intrigued me, even though I expect the Gophers to win by five or six touchdowns. But yes, I'm more intrigued by whether it's pregame, postgame, what does take place. I did catch up with Tracy Clays earlier this week, former Gophers head coach, Jerry Kill's defensive coordinator, took over for Kill November, or I guess it would have been October of 2015, when Kill had to retire from the Gophers job because of health reasons. You know, Clays told me, no shock, that Jerry, like Jerry wasn't scheduling this game, right? Jerry wanted to be a head coach again. His doctors gave him the blessing to be a head coach again. New Mexico State hires him. I don't think anybody else was going to hire him. TCU, for example, when he was the interim coach, TCU was not hiring Jerry Kill, but New Mexico State decides to hire Jerry Kill. Jerry was not scheduling this game. The game just happened to be on the schedule. But you're right. I mean, it's everything you said when Jerry says he doesn't want the game to be about him. He has made it about him. And it all goes back to year zero talk. Clay's told me this the other day, the year zero talk, cleaning up the culture that PJ tried to frame it, that this thing was completely broken and killing Clay's just don't believe that, that they feel like, you know, if things were broken, it was when kill and Clay's took over for Tim Brewster in 2011. This thing was not broken January of 17 when P.J. Fleck took over. Remember, yes, there was the threat of the boycott. There were those players that were expelled, you know, the sexual uh, assault situation, all that. There were things, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the roster itself did win, what, nine games? Tracy Clays won back-to-back bowl games. They won that Holiday Bowl. Still, to me, like it's underplayed here in town, but still, to me, in my lifetime, one of the all-time great gopher victories. Just remember the situation heading into that Holiday Bowl. Then they find a way, December of 16, to win that game in San Diego. It was pretty nuts. But it's all about what P.J. Fleck was saying those first few weeks, 
you know, his introductory news conference January of 17 into spring practice, March of 17, about how the culture had to be had to be fixed. Now, in PJ's defense, things did go a little haywire in 16, right? I mean, there were some things, especially after Jerry left. Now, was it completely broken? Was it completely screwed up? No. But were there things that needed to be fixed? Some of the players enjoyed, you know, some some of the ganja and some of that stuff. Yeah, some of that stuff had to be fixed. So I can see it both ways. Like, Phil, to me, I'm okay if a golfer fan says, you know what, I respect what Killing Clays did, really cleaning up the program, elevating the program, taking the program to its first New Year's Day bowl game in decades. Remember the loss to Missouri? Mm-hmm. They did a lot of stuff, right? They knocked on the door, just like Fleck has, of winning the Big Ten West. But I'm also okay if a fan says, you know what? I respect what they did, but I really enjoy the P.J. Fleck regime. You know, he's built this thing up even more so. You look at the infrastructure. I've talked to Tracy about this. They have upwards of 20 to 30 more bodies. Not coaches, some coaches, but just support staff. When you think about Gophers football now, to me it's a mini company. It was a Mon Pasha under Killing Clays. This thing is now completely different. It's modernized. They've caught up with the Joneses. They've surpassed many of the Joneses in many ways. Fleck had to do that. This is what that program needed. So, like, to me, if a Gopher fan says, okay, I can respect Killing Clays, but I'm also happy that Mark Coyle made the move, that he didn't retain Clays. He went with his own guy. He brought in Fleck right higher. For sure the right hire, and I'm happy where the program is today. I completely get it. But for me, it's like a lot of people, it's like one or the other. And I don't think it necessarily has to be one or the other, if if that makes sense to you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Dukes, what, what's the expectation here, especially with the change at OC back to uh, Soraka? Uh, Tanner Morgan, what, two years ago, three years ago was fantastic. I thought last year – and this is not breaking news, was a disaster. What's the realistic expectation for, for a guy who we talked about at one time as a potential draft pick and certainly now would not be? Like, what's, where can they get him back to, do you think? Well, I mean, they can get him back to being more accurate, making better decisions. Although, he can take some 50-50 chances. When you have Chris Ottman-Bell, when you have Dalen Wright, you can throw the ball up. Those guys can go up and get the ball. If you remember, Morgan was really good in 2019 with Kirk Sharaka calling plays. Now, Tyler Johnson had a lot to do with that. Rashad Bateman had a lot to do with that. But they have talented receivers. One thing I can guarantee you, Judd, the Gophers are going to pass the ball more this year than they did last year. If you recall, outside of the service academies, you know, no team ran the ball, you know, more than the Gophers. They are not going to run the ball as much as they did last year. So look for Tanner to make better decisions. He is very, very comfortable with Kirk Shiraka being back as the play caller. That is a big deal. It's been talked about enough, but let me just hammer it home right now. Kirk Shiraka being back as the Gophers play caller helps them immensely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any Anything else in your scoop bag here, Dugues, before we, we part ways for the week? Sure. Well, when you look at, you know, some NFL talent on that Gophers roster, John Michael Schmitz at center, certainly Ottman Bell. You've got other guys that, should get a look like Mo Abraham, you know, NFL scouts are curious to see in game action how he looks coming off the torn Achilles. So tonight, five NFL teams will have scouts at Huntington Bank Stadium. The Saints, the Panthers, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Raiders. So the Gophers will certainly have a bunch of NFL scouts at all their games this year. Awesome. There he is, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside Two information. Two more so with twin September call-ups, Billy Hamilton on his way to Chicago. No surprise if if you've heard me or seen me on Twitter. And they just claimed a lefty reliever from the Red Sox, Austin Davis. Look for him to be the 14th pitcher. So the Twins can add two players for the roster starting tomorrow in Chicago. September call-ups go from 26 to 28 players. Look for Billy Hamilton. Look for Austin Davis. Love it. All right, Dukes, great stuff, man. We'll catch you next week. See you, boys. Bye-bye. All right, Darren Doogie Wolfson here on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. Uh, we do have some old tweets exposed here in just a moment, but uh, that excellent scoop session presented in part by the official dog food of Maggie and Judd and Maya and Stella 
That's right. It's Nutrisource. Nutrisource is all about gut and digestion health, which is what we're all about, too, the humans on the show. Right? You want those Tootsie Roll poops? It's very... Uh, <laughs> Very good for everyone involved. Yeah. I didn't see you this one be, coming. Uh, you don't want to be pulling poop out of the out of the dog's rear end like I was doing this morning. You need, need a nice oh, roll poop. Dude, why does I think if Vinny needs oh, to get oh, on oh, some oh, Nutrisource, oh. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Thank you. Where's this going? NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Hey, that's Find good. Thank you. Uh, you can, oh. uh, you can, oh, you can. Stellan Ryder. Get the same look on your dog's face. Exciting look that our dogs have every time. They uh, they come near a bowl of Nutrisource. Nutrisource chicken and rice, by the way, is Maya's, mm. Maya's food of choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, a shout-out to our friends at the Meadows at Mystic for uh, for helping us through the golf season, Dex. That's right. I got 27 holes on deck tomorrow. 27 holes of golf, and I can't wait to get out there and swing some sticks. You should get out to the Meadows at Mystic Lake this weekend, too. You can book your tea time at golfthemeadows.com to learn more. It's a scenic and award-winning 18-hole public golf course. Just located a little bit down the Twin Cities, off 169. They have a great uh, golf pro shop. They have a great patio. You can book your tea time now, golfthemeadows.com, to learn more. All right, it's time now for Declan to go back into the Twitter archives here and find incriminating tweets or interesting tweets from our past. Old tweets exposed here uh-huh. on Mackie and Judd. Uh, fellas, I did a combing of some Kellen Mond takes from all three of us throughout oh the last... Um, oh, no. You know? From the moment he was basically from the moment he was drafted through mm. uh, the last year. So let's start with Phil here. This is from about three or four days after the draft in 2021. Uh, we had Eric Eager on that day to kind of talk about Kellen Mond. And after Eager left, uh, Phil had this to say about Kellen Mond. Oh yeah, a couple days ago, I, I really feel strongly that the drafting of Kellen Mond and the current contract status of Kirk means that Kirk will be traded in like February or March, maybe April of next year. And Kellen Mond is the starting quarterback. Unless, unless there's a bunch of red flags behind the scenes or something that are unforeseen. But, you know, if I'm Spielman, and maybe this conversation has taken place, I'm going maybe even behind the scenes, maybe just a private conversation with Kellen Mond and his agents. And I'm saying, guys, can't promise anything. But prepare for the next 12 months like you are going to be the starting quarterback going into camp in 2022. I told you, unless there's Uh, red flags behind the scenes, red flags flags behind the scenes, like, I don't know, like, he can't play, which is a red flag that popped up a couple times. He can't play. Mm. Fun while lasted. Don't blame me, okay? Don't blame me because Kellen Mond couldn't don't live up to the pressure not, of being the starting quarterback in the Minnesota Vikings. I did not say a thing and will not until I see how I am exposed because mine could be worse than yours. I don't know. We'll stay in chronological order here. I was next. So this was, uh, I believe, after the first preseason game of last year during Mond's rookie year. And uh, here's what I said. Yeah, it's similar to me, but I'll take it one step further, and I think Kellen Mond solidifies himself as QB2 after this game against the Colts. I think think Browning stock is falling, and I know Mond has been behind the eight ball, but I I think there's a serious case, especially with the way he's been talked about and been playing at preseason. I think Saturday is a chance for him to solidify his case for QB2. I, I, I know we all thought he'd be the third stringer, and there still even may, might be a chance they could bring in another veteran backup, but I think he's trending in the right direction, that he's actually going to be the primary backup to Kirk Cousins when they open in Cincinnati in week one. Definitely trending in the right direction. Absolutely, was, without a yeah. shadow of a doubt, trending yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, man was my face fat. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I love looking at these because Olivia, Olivia Judd is Olivia Judd, far better than that Judd. Uh, Boy, all right. Well, what? What's uh, those kind of? We're kind of zero for two on those takes. All right, let's see what what's in store here with Judd. One last one for Judd here, who uh, after watching the first week of uh, games of last year's regular season, asked this simple question. But the more I watch teams utilize guys like that right now in specific packages, why don't the Vikings consider the same thing for a package of plays with Kellen Mond? Um, Kellen Mond brings a skill set, and I'm not saying overloaded. But Kellen Mond, for let's say a five or six play package, especially initially, would bring a skill set that Kirk Cousins simply does not have. And you know what? Right now, Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. He's obviously knows the game way more because he's been around it. 
Um, there's no reason to bench Kirk Cousins. I'm not advocating that so people hear me clearly. But Kellen Mond, we saw it in preseason. He's athletic. Um, he doesn't look completely lost. And there are certain things that he could do on the field that Kirk Cousins simply can't do. And if you unveiled a package of plays, as I said initially, and caught opponents by surprise uh, with Kellen Mond using his athletic ability, uh, it, where Kirk Cousins would struggle or it would be impossible for him to make the same plays, it could give the Vikings an edge, and they need an edge, and their offense definitely um, could use something that keeps opponents off balance. A Kellen Mond package would do that. Give it some thought, I have. <laughs> you know what? Judd was right. There are things that Kellen Mond can bring to the field that Kirk Cousins can't, like hanging onto the ball for a half hour and taking a bad sack on the edge of field goal range. You know, he could have he brought that dynamic to the Vikings offense. I didn't even have the decency to brush my hair that day. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> You're just, yeah. I didn't even notice. There's a lot of things. Anyhow. Anyway, those are all bad. So That's pretty bad. I mean, uh, I don't know what we do. I think it's kind of a three-way tie for just uh, being wrong about Kellen Mond. Arms or maybe together. being ho- too hopeful about what Kellen Mond could be. We had an idea of what he could be, and he's just not that, unfortunately. I've seen him practice. Uh, Mike Zimmer True words, unfortunately, never spoken. I've seen him practice. Yeah. I, I see him every day. So. I see him Here's every day. Quote. I see him every day. Do you want to see more of, of Kellen Mond? I see him every day. I see him every day. Yeah. So, that's, a top, right. that's a top five, along with the Daniel Carlson line. Why did you cut him? Did you see him kick? Yeah. Yeah. M- God, Mike was uh, just always leading with, with emotions, for sure. Um, so, all right, let's uh, let's let's talk about the twins a little bit here. Are, are you okay? So, what are they? A game and a half back still because the Guardians lost yep. again yep. yesterday. The guards, yes, sir. And now they're playing the the Tony Larusa less White Sox because Tony Larusa is taking kind of like a medical leave here. He's got maybe some heart problems or it's kind of a weird situation. Hopefully, he's fine. Are you viewing this as wow? What a great homestand! Five and one. They swept the Giants. They took two out of three from the Red Sox, and they they kind of turned this thing around. Or are you a little like me, which is nice job, awesome, definitely needed those wins. But what in God's name were you doing in that game last? Why is why is Joe Ryan melting down like that? And why yeah, is Nick Gordon point. pimping what he thought was a home run? out of the batter's box, and then compounding it by getting thrown out at third base. Like, nice job getting the clutch hit, but it's like it's a microcosm of the things that drive you nuts about this team that played into that loss last night. So I'm, I'm a little torn. Like, I'm, nice job on the homestand. You got yourself back into it. You have a chance now to overtake first place again. But, guys, what are you doing on the base pass every night, it seems like? Well, the most frustrating thing to me about last night's loss, and look, it, it was a successful homestand. You won five of six. Um, I think my mandate going back to the beginning of the week was you have to, at the very least right now, win series, which which they swept the Giants and won two or three against Boston. Here's my problem, though. And, and the Giants were sort of like this, and Boston is 100% like this. The Red Sox tried last night, despite their, their um, to your point, Phil, hammering Joe Ryan, did everything that they could to give you that game, okay? Late, they wanted to, they were desperate, they don't care. They do not care. Case in point, not pinch running for J.D. Martinez late in that game when they could have added on a run was, what's Cora thinking? Like, you, you could have easily scored a, a run. Um, but what frustrated me about that game late is this. It's the exact type of game that if you are going to win this division, you have to win. And here's why. The Gordon thing and the overall base running of this team and seemingly the lack of accountability there. Going back to, and I know it became a punchline and was funny, Rosario. I mean, that's the crap he pulled. Didn't run out of the box. Would decide I'm going to get a triple. Exact same crap. Um, that's frustrating but the other underlying thing last night and i'm trying to think if i can even think of a situation where where i can fill in the blank here the other underlying thing is despite gordon's goof in the bottom of the ninth i mean matt barnes is melting down actively melting down and again the red sox are like we just don't care like our season's over we don't give a damn and carlos correa 
who, by the way, at shortstop, is so much fun to watch. Love to watch that guy in the field. But Carlos Correa grounding meekly into a double play is another indictment of his lack of, of success throughout the course of the entire season in pressure situations where you absolutely positively need a guy who you paid that much. And I was trying to, to think, can you guys think of, like, if Correa does bolt after the season, what's going to be, like, his signature moment at the plate? Well, like he doesn't, was, oh, he doesn't have one yet. He doesn't have it. No, but, but that's what my point is. Well, it's September I 1st. a walk-off homer in May or something. That it's September 1st. But that's my very point. Like, for what you're paying him and for what he brings and all we talk about, um, you know, in the clubhouse, right? Like, all of the intangibles, which, by the way, Patrick dismisses completely. Royce does. I don't dismiss those things completely. But that being said, like, last night is the moment where you get that hit, right? And you walk off the Red Sox. And that place was going nuts. I think Dex was there. I was. Um and you walk off the Red Sox, and it is a win where you rallied, and that defines teams that come back and win divisions. That, to me, was, again, so troublesome for what he's being paid relative to what he's done at the plate. So he, this season, two outs, there's a bunch of clutch categories here. Let's start, let's start with this one. Two outs, runners in scoring position. He's had 39 plate appearances. He has five hits in those situations. One double, no home runs. So he's batting 147, two outs, runners with scoring position, uh, with a 177 slugging percent. He's just been really bad in those spots. In late and close situations, he's been a lot better. 280, 390 on base, not a lot of power. He only has three extra base hits and 61 trips. Uh, but particularly in two outs, runners in scoring position situations, he has been been very bad this season for the Twins. For his career in those same situations, he's actually been very good. So this season is an aberration. It is it is a deviation from ordinarily. He's actually pretty darn good in those two out sort of late clutch situations where you need him. But you're right. You know we're five months into this thing. And you're clinging to life in the playoff race. And the Red Sox are trying to give you that game last night. They're trying to give it to you in the eighth inning. And uh, and I, I had a couple people, not that Twitter is always the the best measurement for, you know, it's always a small sample size of passionate people. But I sort of clapped Nick Gordon for, dude, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you run out of the box? And then... If you don't or whatever, like stop at second. Give someone else a chance. And someone said, well, that's not the reason why they lost. Well, there's always multiple reasons why you lose. But when you're down by one run with four outs to go in the game and you just give yourself up on the base pass in scoring position with a chance for someone behind you to drive you in, if he stops at second base or if he runs all the way and gets to third base, who's to say that there's not a wild pitch that scores him and ties the game or an infield single? You know, a ball hit to the to the hole at shortstop by Celestino or something, right? Like, there's a there's a bunch of ways he could have scored with two outs still. And then in the ninth inning, like you said, Judd, all right, you got multiple guys on base, you got a bunch of outs to play with here, and you got Louis, you got you got two on, nobody out. You need one run, and you got the American League batting champion right now coming up to the plate. And then you got uh, Carlos Correa, your highest paid player, highest profile player. And those guys produce three outs between the two of them, and nothing happens. And in one baseball game, that is 100% forgivable because baseball is a very difficult sport. There's 162 games, and I don't have a problem in one isolated game. Yeah, guys are going to fail a lot more often in those situations. But I agree with Judd. Over the course of five months, a full season... Where is the where is the productivity in these situations for Carlos Correa? You can't look around the rest of the like you look around the room all you want, but like it's on you to produce in some of these situations to get the Twins over this hump over the next thirty days. And he failed last night. I tweeted out last night after the game, after numerous forty uh, percent off beers uh, and enjoying a nice season ticket holding night. At, uh, at at Target Field, they they just do these random pop up nights where they just give forty percent off food and beer. I try to give Judd a bobblehead. There's a Jorge Polanco special bobblehead. I struck out, uh, pun intended, on trying to get wow. him that bobblehead. So working on that oh, for man. Judd. Um, 
But on the Correa front and being frustrated watching that, I'm willing to forgive what happens on August 31st if you deliver something in October. Now I know that you got to be in the playoffs for that to happen, and right now the Twins are a game and a half back of being in the front of, of the AL Central and potentially hosting a playoff game. I'm not going to care about what happened on August 31st that you grounded that double play. So there's chance for him to make up for it. There's still chances for him to give you that signature moment. But if the Twins fall short of making the playoffs after being in first place for, what, 75% of the season, basically, and Correa then opts out and doesn't have any signature moment, there's going to be some sour grapes towards him. And I, I, I try everything in my power to defend the guy. I think his signing was incredible. It, was, it came completely out of left field. His, his, his agent wanted this to happen because he couldn't get the long-term mm-hmm. deal. I think it was a great move in, in the short term for the Twins. But if there's not a signature moment that's delivered, there's going to be some sour grapes involved with a lot of fans with Correa. I, I, I want him back, though. Like he's, I, I, I would I would place a bet on him bouncing back in 2023, and I want to be part of that bounce back. So I would I wouldn't hold it against him as much if he doesn't really give you, you know, I I think he has to give you something in September for you to feel like, okay, but if he wants, this is the thing, if he wants a big contract and he's competing with like two or three other big high profile free agents that are either younger than him or around the same age. Right. So he for himself has to produce big time in September or October. If he wants like an eight year mega contract, right. um, but, but like, even if that doesn't happen, I still think he's good enough and valuable enough and has a bounce back in him next year where I want him back. But, yeah, it has not it has not lived up to what you thought in 2022 with him. So I texted the guy that watches the Twins a ton last night and, and asked the same question, which is where is... You texted a guy who watches the, the, Twins, the Twins a ton? a ton last that night. Wasn't, I don't, don't want to... I me. don't... I, don't want to name names. That's but one of the guy, most like vague. But this, guy, but this guy watches. But wait, just hold on a second. Hold on a second, because the punchline's good. Hey, I need. And, to... and I said, and I said, you know, exactly what I said to you guys, which is, where's the signature moment? Am I forgetting one? Because like, there's a lot of games I could have forgotten one. And the reply was brilliant. The reply was this: When you don't have a signature moment by September first, that is your signature moment. Ooh. And and I Very guess my profound. question. And I guess my question is this, too, um, to delve in, into frequent conversations that we've had about coverage of things in this town as well. Um, Carlos Correa, make no mistake, in the field, I love watching him. He has been – he's brilliant. Like, I, I don't know if he's ha- having uh, his, his you know, fielding metrics are off the charts or not, but it certainly seems like when I watch him relative to what I've watched the past 20 years or so at shortstop, I don't take for granted he's great. Um, but I guess my question is this: If Carlos Correa had signed a uh, eight to ten year contract with the Yankees for huge bucks back in uh, March, his lack of coming through in the clutch would be a story there. Like I'm, I'm amazed this is not a story. Like this to me is one of the it, it's one of the most important things about this entire season. And yes, it's fun to have him here. And yes, there are certain things it's fun to watch him. And yes, I think he is a true professional. But all of that being said, where's the story here on on the fact that you have, you are literally paying a guy the most, I believe, of any infielder this season in the major leagues. Good for you, Paul. Ed's good for you, Twins. But where's the follow-up of this guy has basically flamed out in situations that, that if he had my guess is this. If he was executing consistently, Phil, to your point, like he has previously or did with the Astros, the Twins are probably in first place right now. Yeah. It's kind of, so I'll give you some of the metrics on him because it's, it is kind of weird. So he, his best defensive seasons in his career were last year with Houston, according to metrics, and 2018 with Houston. This year he's been. Above average defensively, but for whatever reason, he hasn't been as good defensively according to the metrics as he was last year in Houston. Uh, His bat obviously is. It's funny because, you know, offense is down across the league. So he actually does have, he is an above average hitter. He's not having one of his best offensive seasons. In fact, if you rank by like weighted on base average, you know, he would. This would be the one, two, three, four. About the about the like fifth or sixth ranked offensive season in his eight years in the major leagues. He's probably going to wind up with twenty home runs, 
He's probably going to wind up with an, a, a well above average OPS. So overall, like the, the bones are there. He's going to wind up yeah. as like a like a three and a half or four wins above replacement player, which is a very very good player. Um, but it's nowhere near the best that he is able to play. It. You know, the, it's nowhere near like his peak capability. And I think your points are magnified by the fact that the productivity isn't coming in the biggest spots where you need him as much. So if you, if if you were giving me these numbers and he was he was performing at a higher level in high leverage situations, I think you'd say, all right, yeah, like maybe he's not having the best season of his career, but man, he's he's there when you need him in these in these big situations. Um, so, but there's so much to be told. I mean, look at this next stretch for the Twins. So they go on the road now for the next week. They play three games at the White Sox, kind of a kind of a desperate White Sox team, and. It's not the way that you would have envisioned a managerial change in Chicago, but they have a new manager now yep. because Tony Larusa is is he's at least out for the weekend. I would guess he's checking yeah. with his heart people in Arizona. So is there could could some sort of you know the calendar turns to September? You got a division rival on your schedule. Tony Larusa's gone, so there might be a different vibe in the clubhouse. Just kind of a kind of an interesting blank canvas here for the White Sox this weekend. We don't know how they're going to react to it, but they they need to start winning these games against the Twins and the Guardians. So this might as well be their World Series right now. Mm-hmm. And then you get four games in New York, and the Yankees have been largely underwhelming over the last month. But it's not exactly a place where you go to get right if you're the Twins <laughs> and you're you know the starting pitching staff that has a hard time going third time through the order. And then you come home, and it's over the next then week and a half, you get eight total games against the Guardians, three at home, and then five on the road. So the first three weeks of September, there's going to be a lot of chances for Carlos Correa and, and other players here to, to sink or swim, man. It's all right in front of you. I think the Twins are the best team on paper of all these other teams they're going up against in the division, you know, or and even maybe a couple teams in the wildcard hunt. But they have to make it happen on the field. You can't be... You can't be staring at fly balls out of the batter's box, Nick Gordon. Sorry, dude. You don't no. get. You don't get. I don't. I'm not even. Getting, congratulations. You drove in two runs. You can't compound it by being an idiot on the base paths. Well, and 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 once you trot, stop at second base. That's the thing is, like like he screwed that play up twice. Mm-hmm. Okay, you should have run. You didn't stop at second. He didn't stop at second, and. So here's what I'm curious about next week. I, I believe it starts Monday, Yankee Stadium, afternoon game, four-game series. I'm very curious to see not just if the Twins can win games there, and I'd like to see them win two. I, I think they win two of the four. I'm probably fairly impressed. Um, but more importantly, because now there is no question, in my opinion, that the Twins' sins and problems against that team are on this team, so, so like I'm done with. Well, it's 2004, you know. I mean, we have seen we have seen Rocco and enough collection of this team struggle. Um, I'm curious just to see how they look from a mentality standpoint too. Mm-hmm. Like, do you go down fighting? Do you just get hammered? And and this extends to Rocco as well, because I feel like Rocco's gotten jumpy against that team as well, right? Like it feels like there's like everyone is sort of like, um, oh man, my hands are around my throat. I'm not sure what's going to take place or well, I can tell you what's going to take place. So like there's a lot of things about the character of th- this team in the next couple weeks that I'm very interested to see tested. Yeah, it's funny because you have no chance at all to face the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. Like if you face the Yankees in the playoffs, it's going to be yeah, second or third round if you get yeah. there. And the Twins haven't been there in 20 years. But the Yankees are standing in front of you here in the middle of a stretch of September baseball games where you you need to win these games to make up ground on the Guardians. So you, you as it turns out, it's not the playoffs, but you are going to have to go through New York to get what you want to get the American League Central crown. And this franchise, ever since Terry Ryan was let go and Levine and, and Thad took over, or... Uh, Sorry, uh, Falvey and and Levine took over. From the top down, it's been hey, that was the old regime. That yes. was that was them. This team has no. There's nothing. Nothing that happened in 04, 06, or 06 was the A's, but 09, 2010. 
But as they've said that now over the last several years, like, well, look how many losses they've racked up against the Yankees, in both in the regular season and the postseason. So now mm-hmm. it is it is also on you. So you get the added the added pressure here of having to go through, you got to beat the White Sox and Cleveland to get what you want, but you also have to go through the Yankees to get what you want here in the month of September. So it's going to be a really intriguing stretch in September here for the Twinkies. Uh, really intriguing stretch for Judd over the last year, too, as he has lost 40 pounds thanks to our friends at Livia. That's right. And and most importantly, too, now I am keeping that weight off, and that is the tough thing, right? Like, like we've all lost weight, and then for those... Those of us who go up and down, we gain that weight back. But most importantly here, I lost the weight. It was as easy as possible, and now it's staying off. Heck, Dawn joined. She's lost 16 pounds. Um, I've gotten notes from people in the past two weeks saying I'm down, you know, 32 pounds. I'm down 36 pounds. And that is because this program is as simple and instructive as it possibly gets. And I want you to join now. It's the anniversary sale. You can join 50% off. 50% 50% off, 855, go L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. The man who the man who got me involved here, our friend, Chris Ron, our sales guy, guess what he, he said? Hmm. He said, you know what? I've seen all the success of you guys. I'm going to join too. I saw him Look this week. That. He's down six and a half pounds in one week. Wow, are you serious? That's he amazing. He is. He is because you know what? I'm it. not blowing smoke. The program works. Again, Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Make yourself the latest success story from Livia. Over at Federated Insurance, which has been a partner of ours for a number of years here on Mackie and Judd, they are all about the four cornerstones that make up their corporate culture. Equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. And they apply those four cornerstones to all of their interactions and decision-making and they apply those cornerstones to their partnership with your business. So uh, find out more about how Federated can protect your business against risks out on the horizon. Maximize the success of your business. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, a little reckless speculation Thursday today. A little reckless speculation. Old tweets expose some twins talk. Uh, and that's all we got for you here today. I got one uh, question. Mackie and Judd. Hmm. I have one question. By the way, Dex, how how is the fan who who you unfortunately oh saw get God. beamed by a, a ball? That sounded super scary. It was terrifying. I'll be completely honest. Uh, so I was in I was in one I was like one nineteen section, probably halfway down, and uh, a woman got a foul ball about four seats to my right. I I thought this ball smacked her in the back of the head because the way she went down. I thought she was out cold. I literally thought, she, and she and she actually may have well Ugh. could have been out cold, to be honest. Um, but she actually took the ball right off her right cheekbone. Good amount of blood. Um, immediately, her husband kind of caught her, and she had her kids with her as well. And me and, Ugh. like, three other people. God. And usually, you know, when the foul ball happens, those ushers are, like, immediately, oh, is everyone okay? Everyone okay? I, won't, I don't know who the usher was. The usher is not looking. And there are... Seven of us doing like the emergency wave oh, no. of of a medic, like a medic, medic, oh, medic. No. Uh, luckily, their uh, paramedics got there. Um, they were able to, to to get her out, and she was able to go to the first aid. Um, she was kind of even joking in good spirits by kind of the end of it after uh, sitting there for a little bit and said, "I better be getting this bleeping foul ball." Like as in, like did get she it. get it? Who I who hope had so. the ball? I don't know who blood got all over it. it? She should have got more than that. There was a pretty like good. Bring her a bat too, or th- something. There was a pretty good size welt on her face. I felt awful. Oh. Like it was, it was. We had to clear the row. I had to move back three different rows, and then like some guy. I had a buddy with me. Some guy said to my my friend who was in the stairwell because we're trying to clear the way, and some guy goes, "Hey, can you move? Like I'm, you're in my way." And it was like there is a woman bleeding oh. out of her face right now. Dude. Like, like was, they couldn't see the game. Yeah, or couldn't something. see the game. I was like, I. I think you got kind of got to hold your horses here just for a second. Like, there's a woman needing serious medical attention right now. You you can wait for the top of the seventh to finish. It's going to be okay. But it was frightening, dude. It was frightening. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was. I, I I was sitting in the press box, like the first. I think it was the first row, or it might have been second row of the press box, like ten years ago. And there was a woman right on the other, like the top row of the Legends Club. And she wasn't paying attention. There was a fall ball hit straight back up toward the press box Legends Club. Oh, and this ball hit her right in the face. And she had white pants on and, like, a white shirt. 
and it was just a bloodbath everywhere. And she was, I think she went out unconscious for a minute or something. It was, it was, dude, that stuff happens even with the netting, you yeah, know, man. you can, a ball goes over the netting or something, but dude, that is, that's one of the reasons why and now the netting it, you're, you can sit closer and actually be safe. But I always had a, a major phobia of sitting down by the dugout and stuff. If, if somebody would offer like, oh, we got box seats. I'd be like, dude, I don't know if I want to sit down there. I'd rather sit like 25 rows up oh, agreed, <laughs> and have completely. at least some time to react to a foul ball. You know, The dome was really scary because the dome, if you, you were like behind the dugout in the dome or something, that ball was on you in a heartbeat. You had no chance, Dude. maybe with a glove, but you had no Ugh. chance. Yeah, well, you got good luck. What are you going to do? Hold your well, I hope she's okay, Declan. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that, RoboCop that level, that which we're going to review for, for this weekend, where there was a good amount of blood and gory in RoboCop, but, but it was... Um, <laughs> It was it was a real life horror scene in my opinion playing out in front of me at the Twins game, yeah. not including the ending to the ball game either. So yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully the random gal here is is okay. If somebody knows if she's okay, if you could tweet at us, that would be that would be good. So all right, yeah, we will. Uh, RoboCop, the original RoboCop, is the action movie for this week. None of us had seen it until watching it this week. So yeah, why don't you guys watch that with us and uh, and buckle up for a bloody time. So, all right, that's uh, that's Mackie and Judd uh, over on Purple Daily, a deep dive into the Jalen Rager trade from yesterday. And if you could click subscribe on both the Score North and Purple Daily YouTube channels, then we will in turn give you daily Minnesota sports entertainment in your feed. See you guys.